0: Sarah Spain, Mike Wells, on a Fry yay If things are going off the rails at the beginning of the show, I'm very concerned about the state of the show when it's nearing its close. Because, Mike, we've never done a Fry yay show before, but things tend to get weird. Are you ready? Let's roll, girl. Let's roll. Okay. You want to get weird with me? Oh, yes. Careful. Careful what you (laughs) sign up for. Uh, Sarah Spain, Mike Wells, filling in for fits on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, and we're going to start the show by talking about a Dame deal and two heels. I will explain. Starting with Dame, there was an interesting and strangely sourced report that Damian Lillard was having trouble connecting with Jody Allen, who is now the de facto owner of the Blazers. According to reports, Mike, he was calling her and emailing her and not getting any response. This seemed very strange. For the superstar, great player who seemed inevitably was set to sign a pretty big deal. Wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. Now, wait! Let me just I, let me stop you right away, sir. Let me ask you yeah. a question. What franchise player sends an email in the age of knowing <laughs> they can just call, text, text? Who was going to send Face an email? Time. That that right there was a warning flag when I saw that report <laughs> that he's going to send, you know, he's going to craft an email. Did he have somebody make sure there was no grammatical errors in it? it, just, it the whole thing just... I knew it was it was kind of screwy when I when I saw the email part.
0: I wasn't sure, uh, but it's starting to feel a little bit like a plant from those who are really trying to urge a sale of the team, wanting to make things appear uh a mess over there. They may yet be that is still up for discussion and we will I'm sure have a lot of folks digging into that to find out. But whatever's going on with Jody Allen and Dame Lillard, he denies that. He has reached a two-year, $122 million extension. So somebody got somebody on the line. I will say that much. A call was completed. A deal was signed, or at least it's expected to be tomorrow in Vegas. And this extension ties him to the franchise through 2026-27. I am a massive Dame fan. I don't know if you are but Dame, CJ Terry Stotts, those were my guys. I was they were like a second team to me after after the Bulls. And and they've broken that up and now everything is on Dame. And he's a guy who has said over and over again, I don't want to go elsewhere. I want to win here and I want to parade down Main Street in Portland. Do you think this is the right move for that team to get closer to said parade?
1: You know what, he, Damian Lillard, he needs more. He needs a better supporting cast around him. I, I was I was, I was with you. I'm a Pacific Northwest guy uh, from Seattle. So, obviously, when the Sonics left to go to OKC, Portland kind of became my team and followed him. I'm a big fan of Chauncey Billups. But when you trade away CJ McCollum, Terry Stotts gets fired. Um you, you, you're starting to wonder, all right, are they going to slowly start breaking this up and start a rebuild? It was Dame Lillard going to be the next person that they trade away? Clearly that's not going to be the case. The question I have about this, you recall when Kevin Garnett was so loyal to Minnesota mm-hmm. Timberwolves? He stayed mm-hmm. with them despite the early playoff exits and everything. He only got past the first round one time during his career at Minnesota. And I recall several years ago he was doing an interview and he said – He felt like one of his biggest regrets was that he was too loyal to Minnesota. He should have looked to go elsewhere prior to getting traded to Boston where he did finally win an NBA title. I wonder if if Dame Lillard, if the Trailblazers are never going to win a title, if he's going to have that same type of regret that Kevin Garnett had with the Minnesota Timberwolves.
0: Right, and I guess part of it is to ask whether Dame's focus is solely on winning or if he's trying to balance his happiness and satisfaction with that. Right, if he's less concerned with the legacy of titles as he is with, I like playing here, I like living here, I like being attached to one team for my whole career, versus the guys who do care about titles and decide to bounce around looking for them. I'm not passing judgment on either choice, but that may affect his decision to keep signing up. And they did make a move to break up the existing trifecta of Stotts, CJ, and Dame, and maybe that allows them the ability to move forward and have a better shot at it. But They haven't made many moves yet besides tanking and looking to reset it's spade and fits mike wells filling in for fits on espn radio and the espn app on this friday we did the dame deal we'll get to more of that later with brian windhorse but let's talk about the two heels i would argue that in anything sports that we love and watch on the regular to more fringe sports to wrestling which is a sport sort of in quotation marks don't at me it's never good to have heel versus heel You always need to have black versus white, good versus evil, all of that. And yet in the Wimbledon final, we have got Djokovic, a man who has lost a lot of favor in the last year plus for rejecting the Corona vaccine, partying shirtless and maskless uh, around children and infecting people. Um, A lot of comments and decisions that he has made in the last year. Facing Kyrgios, a man who's already been fined thousands of dollars for various outbursts during this tournament and many times earlier than that, and is set to go to court after Wimbledon for allegations of domestic abuse. Now, for all the people already in my menchies, mad at me for calling this heel versus heel and saying that this is a game that I'm rooting for the Meteor, I don't care what you think. This is terrible to me, Mike Wells. We could have had all-time good guy Rafa Nadal. We could have had upstart Brit. Cam Norrie, who would have been a fan favorite there at Wimbledon, and instead we get heel versus heel. This is a disaster for me.
1: Yeah, and, you know, listen, and first of all, I'm sorry you got to deal with with people coming at, uh, coming at you on social media, I can't stand it. It drives me crazy. I'm Sorry, sure you are. they're very are a, small
0: and sad people. It doesn't bother me.
1: You probably are a mute and block pro, which <laughs> I hope you, which I hope you really are. Um, but I mean, you you made you made a great great point. I mean, I'm more upset about you know Nadal not being able to play, you know, get to and I have an opportunity to win the Wilmington title because of the injury. It's won 22 mm-hmm. majors. It, from that standpoint, it's just so so disappointing. And but. Do you plan? I assume you will not be watching the final. This no,
0: weekend. no, I will not be watching. Uh, because again, I truly can't decide which of them I would prefer to win or lose, and that's <laughs> difficult, to say the least.
1: So i I probably shouldn't ask. I probably shouldn't ask you who who, who uh, if if I said you have to pick one, you'll probably just say you know you know. Sc- uh, forget you. The I'm not answering that meteor. question. Yes, yes. <laughs> the aforementioned
0: meteor. Listen, Mike. I'm genuinely shocked that there are still people who would write stuff to me like, and how's your fancy vaccine working out? Uh, the answer is great. Oh, the answer is great. Uh, everyone I know who got vaccinated and has unfortunately gotten COVID, which seems to be the inevitability in this in this day and age for almost everyone, has been okay. And that's because of vaccines. I, I can't believe we're still having this conversation. So, yeah, I... I I I don't think I could pick one or the other. I guess I'll have to chalk it up to this is a Wimbledon. I'll just pretend never happened. Sort of like, you know, if I ever were to have to watch something like uh, the Knicks take on the St. Louis Cardinals and some sort of round robin of basketball and baseball.
1: (laughs) Boy, I feel sorry for your Twitter mentions because I'm sure even more so that people are purposely going to give you probably play by play. Of, I the, look, uh, I look of, forward of the final that. Match. Just, You've put that idea the in their head now,
0: Mike. I blame <laughs> you for that. I believe they, they didn't think of it until you said it. Uh, we're going to get back to uh, Dame's Deal and other NBA free agency. We've also got two a days in the NFL, one of those teams being my Chicago Bears. We've got a lot to get to. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Save on commercial auto insurance from Progressive. Get a fast quote at progressivecommercial.com. Coming up, because we have so much to get to and so little time on this Friday. It'll be quickies next. Oh, this is my jam. It's Spain and Fitz on a Friday. Mike Wells back in again, filling in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80. Don't forget to tune into to an AL rivalry tomorrow night as the Red Sox host the Yankees, presented by Progressive Insurance. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. That's right, bunch more baseball games before the All-Star break. And the All-Star break for baseball and some of the decisions that will be made heading into that game is part of the conversation in Quickies, so let's get to it.
2: Quickies with Spain and Fitz.
1: We get in and out of topics fast.
0: Before we get to baseball, Mike needs to, whoop, Mike, no, nope. we don't need that music. We're good. <laughs> we, we, again, we, it's a fryer. Someone in the back maybe already started making some cocktails. We're not sure, but we're going to get through it together. And I'm always down for some Stevie, even if he's interrupting what I'm trying to say. Mike, you need to get something off your chest about the report. From Malika Andrews today, including visuals, that there will now be rings awarded to the Summer League champions.
1: Go on, Mike. What, what, are, what are we doing? It's Summer League <laughs> basketball. So many of these guys will not be on rosters once the re- regular season starts, un- unfortunately. I mean, next they're going to go ahead and say, you know what, let's go ahead and get juice boxes and orange slices at halftime. You know, get the participation going. I don't know if you've seen the re- the rings that Malika tweeted. I mean, I don't know if it's truly, truly real bling up in there. But come on. That, there's no need for it. That is a waste of time. It's summer league basketball with outside of draft picks and guys who are trying to hang on to stay in the league. You, you have to Google most of these guys. It's a joke. <laughs> no need uh, the, for it.
0: What's hilarious is we know what's going on here. Like, we literally talked about – Uh, you know, Paulo Bancaro versus uh, Smith last night. Who's better? And what does it tell you about the draft and yada? yada. And the entire conversation, everyone had to preface it with, it's just one game. It's summer league. It doesn't mean anything. It tells us nothing. You know, Dwight Howard started over 11 and you know, we used to care about Jokic versus Trey, whatever it is. Like it's always been meaningless. You just get your reps in against lesser competition and you move on. And, we know why they're doing this, to try to convince us that it isn't meaningless, that we should be watching it, that we should be spending money on it, that we should care about it.
1: Well, and hey, like, listen, I, What about this, though, sir? You know, usually it's like the second or third assistant coach coaching, and let's just say OKC gets to the title game. You see these top draft picks take a day off every now and then, and this guy says, no, Chet, Chet Holmgren, you can't yeah. sit out. We got to no, get to the we title you. game of Summer we League. We need you We need you." Tricks.
0: Yeah, Uh, my Chicago Bulls won the Summer League a couple years ago, and I will tell you, they were not a good team. That was not a team where you were like, well, I guess they won the Summer League. That's a preview of the NBA Finals. Uh, So, yeah, they're just trying to add value to every part of the year. That means in-season tournaments. That means play in tournament. That means now, apparently, Summer League rings. All right, next story. Quickies. Uh, All right, let's talk about Stewie and Elena Deladon. It has been a decade since a women's basketball player has had a signature shoe. And Puma has debuted Brianna Stewart's new shoe ahead of All-Star Weekend. It's called the Stewie Ones. And she hopes that it helps put the spotlight of women's basketball. Certainly will put the spotlight on her feet in the game. This is just the 10th women's basketball uh, player to have a signature shoe. And the first in 12 years. It's a big deal. But she's not alone. Because you and I were just talking about how Elena Deladon's doing a slow ramp up to her drop. She'd been wearing her signature shoes with Nike but they won't be available for purchase until October. So it's out. It's getting leaked. It's called the Deldon One. It's gonna be multiple colorways. It's got some cool uh, stuff on the sides. And uh, that apparently is like you know she's getting ahead of the game before the drop in October. Do you have a favorite between the Deldons and the uh, and the Stewie's?
1: Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going both of them are probably going to be a, f- uh, a favorite in my household cuz I've got <laughs> a 12-year-old daughter who's on the AAU circuit. Nice. And she is she's she's a baller, she loves hoops. So something tells me we will be purchasing both pairs, but Good. if she has to pick one, she'll probably go with the uh, with the Stewies because she she is a Yukon fan and we know mm. Brianna Stewart was a Yukon uh, stud That's out right. there, but so, you know, I'm a softie. Uh, you know, she's a daddy's girl, so if she says she wants both we will probably will be getting both of them.
0: I like both of them. And if you need an excuse to get both, Deladon did briefly attend UConn before defecting. Uh, and her pride colorway is straight up fire. So uh, your daughter might be into those once she sees them. <laughs> All right, next story. Quickies. There it is. Uh, we're talking to MLB All-Star as we ramp up ahead of next week. And the MLB NL starter for pitching has a discussion that I think is a valid one we already know that Rob Manfred has kind of embraced the idea of this being legends that are honored he added Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols to the rosters apparently he has sort of executive power now uh, in the new labor agreement to add folks to the roster so he went with Pujols who's 42 it's his 11th All-Star selection. Cabrera, who's 39, his 12th, and first since 2016. Okay? These two guys are not ones that would have made the roster. They are obviously uh, a hat tip to lengthy and successful careers. Let's just start there. Are you cool with that move? Do you like the idea of getting to see a guy who's past his prime, but, like, fans might want to see one last time?
1: Boo! <laughs> Boo, I can't no. It's called an all star game. This is not a going this is not a farewell tour. <laughs> if you wanna watch him, go to a stadium, wait till he comes to your stadium where you live at or mm-hmm. but do not don't throw a guy out there who's not hitting well and put him in an all star game. I can't stand it. Boo Well and
0: what do you do if you're a pitcher and Pujols comes up? Do you just absolutely make him look stupid or do you try to throw him a softball and give him some love?
1: See, yeah, you know they're going to throw the softball. We know how all-star games work. They're going to go ahead, put something right over the heart of the plate and let Pujols, you know, try to hit it out in this final all-star game. I, uh, I'm just I'm 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 not a you know that's like playing baseball on the street or or at the right. playground man. Well, now
0: that it doesn't determine home field advantage for the World Series, they don't really need to treat it with the uh, you know vigor and seriousness that they have in the past. So it's even more likely that they will be willing to throw a couple softballs to some of those legendary guys to let them let them sneak past uh, a hit or two in their last in their last effort. All right, I'm not really big on that either. There's a part of me that feels a little nostalgic for it. And I'm sure if it was an all-time great Cubs player and you got one last look, maybe it just still feels a little weird to toss him in there using, like, executive powers. Uh, the other question is, who's going to get the start in the NL? Because you've got um, Sandy Alcantara, who numbers-wise with something like 123 and two-thirds innings over 88 and two-thirds um, for, for for um, uh, why am I blanking? uh Miami. No, Gonsolin from the Dodgers. Uh, He's the one that everybody's sort of saying it's a home field. He'd be playing at Dodger Stadium. Tony Gonsolin's been so hot lately, which he has been. But he started out the season not getting uh, qualifying starts and took a little time to ramp up, whereas Sandy Alcantara's been on fire the whole first half. Then you throw in Clayton Kershaw, who's been good, but doesn't have either of those guys' numbers. And people say, oh, well, his career's so great. It's maybe his last all-star. It's in L.A. He should get the start. Do you view this the same way we should be honoring whoever's playing best right now or do you think it should be sort of an all-time greats honor that that Kershaw gets the nod?
1: Man, uh god, I'm a Clayton Kershaw fan, but I can't <laughs> change I can't change what I just said about uh Cabrera and Pujols a second ago. So I will say, I'm going to I'm I'm saying Gosselin should get it. 11 and 0, 1.62 ERA. He's got more Ks per 9 innings. Than, um, than Sandy does in Miami. So I can't go with Claire, uh, Clayton on this because I'm going to get ridiculed because you just said, hey, you can't have Pujols. <laughs> you don't want Pujols and Cabrera. The he's All-Star not game.
0: quite the same as those guys. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the point remains. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm kind of torn on this because I do see the merit of this is supposed to be a game that honors right now who is doing their best. And let's say there's a guy that this is the only season where he's uh, firing on all cylinders and has this moment that person should be honored more than a guy who's getting sort of a lifetime achievement a nod. And that's why I think it's, it should be Alcantara's. But I get the feeling that they're going to go with either... And, honestly, if they go with Tony Gonsolin, he could easily pass the nod over to Clayton Kershaw and say, oh, thank you very much for the honor, but I'm going to let Clayton get the start. And, and I'm sure there are folks that might think that's the best way to solve this problem. Um, maybe we'll ask you all. We'll put it up. At Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain... Uh, it's Mike Wells, NFL.
1: Yep. Yep. Yep.
0: Yep, Hit us up. And we'll put it up. You could vote. Let us know who you think should get the nod in that. Uh, coming up, WNBA All-Star Game is in Chicago this weekend. We've got some rock and jock rule additions that we need to update you on. We've got some drama involving a player who dropped a clown emoji on her coach. We've got... An honorary starter, and we've got a lot of parties that I need to find the invites to. I'm telling you that there are some parties that are getting in my ear that I have not been invited to yet. And Mike Wells, this is my city that can't be. So we're (laughs) going to work on that during the break with some text. We'll get back to you after this. It's Spain and Fitz on a Friday, Sarah Spain, Mike Wells filling in for Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We're presented by Progressive Insurance and I'm excited to bring on the queen of all things basketball, Lachina Robinson, host of the Around the Rim podcast with my girl Tarika. Let's start with the most important thing about the WNBA All-Star Weekend being here in my city It's the parties. You're in my town, LaChina. I'm hearing all the rumors. So give us a feel for all the things going around this uh, All-Star weekend.
3: Yeah, so um, obviously I'm trying to be locked in on Saturday and Sunday, but it's tough when there's so much Mm -hmm. happening around. I think my biggest takeaway so far, Sarah, as far as what's swirling around with All-Star events, is that I feel like there are more activations than i remember more major brands stepping in saying hey we're going to do a party we're sponsoring this and you know how important that is just yeah. not only to w- the fan experience but also to the athlete experience I mean, you want these women to really feel like they're celebrated and for them to have a good time and it's particularly important in this season because it's a condensed season for the WNBA. we have world championships in september so the season is i think they said this is the fewest days in the season with the most amount of games that they've had in the history of the league so these women are exhausted they're ready to let their hair down (laughs) um but the vibes are incredible and I think Chicago got a good run-up to this with the finals so they know that the WNBA loved the party they were excited I think to get have this event and um you know the the energy is, is exactly where it should be
1: well, China. I hope Sarah's going to be your personal tour guide <laughs> to all the fine festivities that are going to be taking part in this week. Me too. Me
3: too, Mike. I might not get into anything if Sarah's not, you know, texting Listen, my name. We're I we're going to hook each other keys. up. It's going to go both ways for sure. let
1: if, if not, just make just name drop her because it sounds like if you mentioned Sarah Spain in the city of Chicago, <laughs> you were going to get VIP service in whatever place you want to get into. So just, oh. j- just, I'm in that. there. I am in there. Absolutely. Let's talk about the actual all-star game this weekend. It's kind of of an old-school feel, kind of rock and jock um, MTV style with the uh, four four four-pointers and then also no free throws into the last two minutes of the game. What are your thoughts on them kind of trying to spice up the game a little bit this weekend?
3: I love it. In particular, I love uh, the no free throws. You know, just keep the game moving. It's going to be wall-to-wall action, And what I think is kind of cool about the format of a WNBA all-star now is the whole captains picking teams thing, because what that does quite honestly is it makes it more competitive. Like all of a sudden you have ownership. If you're Asia Wilson and if you're one of the players that she drafted, you're like, yeah, you know, we're going to prove that we're better than team Stewart. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be very competitive, probably more so than the average all-star game. You know, most of the time, folks will come out and kind of have fun and goof around. I don't know. I think it's going to be pretty serious between the lines, which makes it fun for us. But um, I like the changes. I'm good with it. Um, You know, I think the WNBA continues to be very innovative in how they're approaching not only all-star, but also um, with the skills competition, you know, with the um, WNBA all-stars being matched up with some of the future players of the game um, with the AU event happening here uh, in Chicago. So a lot of really cool things, new things happening um, this weekend.
0: We're talking to LaChina Robinson, host of the Around the Rim podcast here on ESPN, women's basketball aficionado and expert. She's here in Chicago for the WNBA All-Star Game. I want to ask you about skills competition, but real quick, who's your money on for hitting most of those four-pointers? I'm thinking Kelsey Plum has definitely got the strength and, and the cojones to take a bunch of those four-pointers.
3: I'm taking Plump for, like, everything this weekend. I <laughs> oh feel like God. she has stepped into the season this year. It's like, I'm taking everything that's mine. I don't, you know, I picked okay. her to win three-point shooting contest. Wow. She's just on a tear. Listen, um, now, you're in Chicago. Yeah, I
0: mean, There's a lot of Chicago players playing on their home court that you can't forget about, I including know. the defending champ, Allie Quigley.
3: I know you absolutely cannot count them out. But, yeah, I definitely think that um, Kelsey Plum is going to be hoisting up those four-pointers. And, I mean, as far as the three-point contest is concerned, I don't see how Allie could really lose, right? Like She's won it three times. <laughs> and she's at home. Like, this is a home game for her, you know? She's yeah. got DePaul right at the road. She's from, um, you know, Illinois. I think, is it Juliet? Well, I'm trying to remember Juliet. what. Juliet. You know, okay, Joliet. yeah, yeah. Um, and and so I, I'm I'm pick I'm going with Quigley. I just think this is the easiest win she will probably have gotten. Good. And I said Plum at first, right? Yeah, so I I'm am glad you changed that answer. No, I
0: appreciate that. <laughs> You're smarter than Ari Chambers yesterday because she stuck with her take and she felt it later in the interview. So who do you got in the skills then? Um,
3: so skills. <sighs> This one is a toughie, because I think they added a couple of players just they today. Um, I saw there was some updates to the field.
0: Uh, Vander Sloot and Stevens. Um, you got uh, Sabrina in there as well. Um, yeah, and, and that one, I yeah. feel like with, with the skills, you've also got, it's a bit more random. You know, you miss one of those it, passes through the tire or whatever, and it's all over for you.
3: Oh my gosh, that is—it's the hardest thing I think to do—is get that little because you know once you get frustrated and that that ball doesn't go through the tire. Um, here's a, here's the X back though. How are these young kids going to come into play? I don't exactly know that yet. Like I know they're partnering each player up with one of the um, young girls from the AAU team that's here for Nike National. That could obviously impact who the who our winner is, but. I always like to choose a big because no one believes that the big can really get the job done. Um, I am going to go with either. ah, I think I'm going with John Cole Jones. I just think it would be a beautiful display of where post play evolution is going. If six, six, John Quell ends up winning and showing her versatility. And I just love to prove that the guards are not as great as we think they are. So that's it.
1: Listen, LaChina, you just you just you just melted my twelve-year-old daughter's heart because she is a post. She's five nine and plays in a post, and she hears mm-hmm. the criticism all the time that post players can't make passes. So you are now her her her, her favorite analyst out there by making. We got a
0: comment. whole show of bigs right now. I assume you would be a big too, Mike, because you know oh, yeah. you know that LaChina and I we were playing in the paint as well.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, you... uh,
3: who, who else we got? So you you me? Who else, there? You got a lineup of some bigs on the show I, like other I things? mean
0: I, I mean if if Mike oh. if Mike is big his daughter's a big you and I were we holding it down oh. in the paint um you okay. know we'll have to <laughs> yeah. we'll have to ask our our commander's guest if he was uh if he's uh a big or, or more a big, oh, okay
3: we'll get to that well I'm definitely I'm definitely in the post I mean um, I was there like you go Four at fourteen it. years
1: old, so yeah, one hundred. Listen, S- Sarah's putting you on the spot for the skills competition and everything, so I'm going to put you on the spot too. When the All Star game ends, who was going to be your MVP at All Star game?
3: That's where I was picking Plum. So sorry. Let me let me back up. So I'm picking Plum for my All Star game MVP, and then we're going Allie Quigley for the three, and John Quell for the skills. Now. Again, the reason why I picked Tom for the MVP is I just think, first, it's a guard award. Mm. And I know some posts have won it in the past, but the post players that have had have won in the past, there's been a lot of missed shots. They've had to get rebounds and put backs, and, um, you know, they end up with 15 rebounds because guards are taking shots from the hash mark and all that stuff. It's really easier for a guard to win, especially if they're shooting the ball well. Like, I think Steph Curry, didn't he win the MVP of the NBA All-Star Because he was just pulling up. Yeah, he was just pulling up. Like, they have the ball in their hands most of the time. Um, And so I think Plum is going to be pulling up from half court and every possession that she can. She doesn't have to worry about passing the ball to Asia Wilson. if She doesn't want to. Becky Hammond is probably going to let her just, you know, run free. This is not the Aces, um, because I believe she's on Team Wilson. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Plum for the MVP.
0: All right, I'll give you that one, even though I think one of the hometown gals might get it. Hey, LaChina, looking forward to hanging out this weekend and trading uh, party invites with each other. I'll see you later tonight.
3: Hopefully.
0: Yes, I can't <laughs> wait to see you, Sarah. Thanks, thanks, yeah. Mike.
1: I have a good one.
0: Good stuff from LaChina. I'm not going to say where I'm going tonight. There might be at least one goat there, though, if that gives anything away. It's Fitz, Mike Wells, filling in for Fitz. Coming up, we'll get a little bit more into the four-pointers and the free throw rules. What do we like? What do we hate? Will Dan Cortez be there? It's a deep cut. I hope you get it. Google it if not. Spain and Yeah, my city's got take over by the uh, WNBA All Star Game activities all weekend long. Activations, like Lachina said. I already see Holly Rowe posting some tweets where she looks to have gotten an entire. Bags worth of Apple products, and Mike, I'm already wondering if I've missed out on one of the most important parties of the weekend. I mean, she's got a watch, she's got the Air Bud, she's got a phone, she's got Air Tags. I mean, where, where, where was my invite for this Apple party?
1: You need to be more upset that you didn't get the invite. I mean, then you're supposed to be where you can say yes, right. I will attend, or no, I'm too busy. The yeah. fact that you didn't even get a text or or, mm-hmm. you know, may, maybe they tried to pull a Dame Lil or supposedly and tried to email you, uh, but Fair. you never got notification of Fair. it.
0: Fair. Maybe they reached out to to Mike or <laughs> and they were like, hey, can Sarah get off work to go to this Apple party? And he was like, no. She got to host the show while everybody else is partying. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Mike Wells, filling in for Fitz. ESPN Radio, ESPN app on a Friday. It is WNBA All Star Weekend here in Chicago, and I will say, I went to this sailing event here in Chicago a couple weeks ago. Sail GP. I'd never been to anything like it before. It took over the whole lakefront, and it was really, really cool. It was like the America's Cup, but for for trying to have it more often than every four years. And teams from all over the world, different, representing different countries, were competing, and they took over this giant rooftop bar at Navy Pier. And I'm hanging out with some of the folks who decide which events to bring to Chicago. Same folks who said to the World Cup people, hey, we're not going to— close off three weeks of our major stadiums in case you want to give us a soccer game and you're not going to tell us when and which games and where and we have to you know turn down everything else so we're good that's why chicago's not doing those world cup games next year they also decide stuff like all-star games and they said we just had the men's nba all-star game here a couple years ago 2020 february and so now that we've got wnba we want to give it the same energy the same focus we want to have all the different events and satellite things so I think that's pretty cool, Mike, and I think that's really showing what a pivot point we're at for women's sports. Data is showing that there's tons of money to be made that people have been losing out by not investing, and I think all the brands and companies doing the parties and activations are finally starting to get on board with that.
1: I, I, excuse me, I I, I love that it's, it, this is happening, you know, for the for the woman side of things because you know as I alluded to last night when we were talking about Brittany Griner and getting the lack of attention that she deserves for being detained in Russia and it, the fact that women's sports it is so big and i think it needs to get even more attention and you know some people may say oh you're just saying that because you got a daughter to play sports no i've always followed the WNBA. i've always followed women's c- college basketball uh i love what don St i hope don staley one of these days gets an opportunity to be an nba coach after what mm-hmm. she's done in south carolina so the fact that it's continued to draw more and more attention and you know, being in a great city like Chicago this weekend, um, it, it's gonna be—it's it, great for the game, but it, it's still not enough in my eyes. I no, think it's still more it still needs do to. For sure. it need, there's more that needs to be done to make you know to bring more eyes to uh, the WNBA, and, and not only WNBA, Sarah, but you know, other female sports too.
0: Yeah, NWSL. I'm actually going to my Chicago Red Stars game on Sunday after the WNBA All-Star game, so a little double-header action on Sunday, fun day. Uh, Angry Bears fan, Dadman, one of our best uh, listeners here on the show, very accurately reminded me, too, that it's awesome to have an All-Star game here when our team is really good, because the Sky are the defending champs. They're currently in first place. We've got four players and a coach, plus skills players in the skills competition uh, playing in this game. You know, that 2020 All-Star game for the NBA, there were no... No bulls in it. right? They won 22 games that season. It was all flashbacks to the good old days because we didn't have anything to rep, uh, you know, in terms of our team at the time. So great timing. You know, Candace Parker crossing my fingers. She doesn't retire. But if this is her last run, a great way to, to go out is to have an all star game right in her backyard. So the skills challenge, the three point contest, those are both tomorrow. 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, and then the All-Star game itself is Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern on ABC. That should get you in the zone for hoops this weekend. Get in the zone brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. And I would tell you, Mike, you know, you mentioned your daughter, and obviously I think when people have daughters, especially really sporty dudes, and they start to pass on their their knowledge, their athleticism, they want to go out and play, they want to coach, that certainly turns their brains on to, you know, how much girls and women want to play just as much and can play just as much. But I would argue that guys with boys out there, watch the game with them too. Take them to the game because raising boys who get that women can also be badass professional athletes makes them better people. You know, like, I think we we sometimes focus too much on you need to have a daughter to believe that women are human beings deserving of cool opportunities and that they can love and play sports. You don't. You can teach your boys that, too.
1: Exactly. And listen, all I got to do is go to my front driveway because my son, who is a year, uh, 21 months younger than my daughter, when they're playing one-on-one and she is just cracking his head. (laughs) (laughs) and just dominate him using her size and strength against him and i'm having to play referee instead of enjoying adult beverages that sit on the front porch watching him i think he sees it every single day when he sees that you know her and her teammates uh, the way they play the game and he can't run his mouth and trash talk because they shut him up pretty (laughs) quick sarah i'll tell you that
0: it's pretty great uh we were talking about some of the rule changes the four pointer Uh, You and I are old enough to remember MTV Rock and Jock. We were talking about this on Around the Horn during the breaks today, and we all agreed that ESPN and MTV should come together and bring back some form of Rock and Jock basketball. The the baseball, maybe not as much, but Rock and Jock basketball was tremendous. Dan Cortez and Bill Bellamy could not be stopped. The 25-pointers, the lower rims for the dunks, like that was a time in our lives, Mike, and I miss it.
1: Oh, with that, without a doubt. <clears throat> obviously, we got the four-point play coming in the WNBA game. I'm gonna tell you, there's, there's another uh, additive they should have. They should, for dunks, instead of just two points, should give five points for every dunk Ooh. that happens in the game this weekend. They, I mean, it's, it, they're spicing the game up enough. You know, between the four-point play and then the, no free throws into the final two minutes of the game, mm-hmm. throw another one in there for every dunk. Yeah, um, five points if you, if you go up and dunk. Can you imagine? You know, I know we, I cracked a joke about you. know we were talking about the pitcher throwing a slow ball over the plate for Pujols. Could you imagine the girls just stopping at half court and letting somebody try to go to get a dunk and get right. five points out of it?
0: Yeah, we haven't seen too many. We've got, you know, Liz Cambage and Lisa Leslie. Brittany Griner, I think, has the dunking record. Uh, but Jonquel Jones can throw down. Sylvia Fowles has. Candace Parker has dunked in the game. So um, we'll see if some of those old heads can still get up. I, I, listed cool, a couple, I listed a couple older gals there. I don't know if they still got the ups <laughs> for that, but I'd like to see it. Um, you know, the WNBA game is not using the Elam ending, which is what the NBA All-Star has been using the, the last year or two, and I think it makes for a cr- tremendous finish. So let's ask people it, if there's a rule change from the WNBA or the NBA All-Star game that you'd actually like to see in regular season games. We got the four-pointers. You got the E ending. You got free throws only in the final two minutes, or none of them. You like it the way it is. And I know how my buddy Bob Ryan would vote. He wants uh, three pointers to be removed from the game. So I know oh he doesn't God. want. I know he, he doesn't probably, want he four wants, pointers.
1: He wants peach baskets still too. Huh? That's
0: right, exactly. <laughs> uh, just no dribbling. You actually just stop and pass when you need to forward motion the ball. Um, what do you? What do you? Do you like any of those full time? I I'm, I I feel like sometimes I lean towards Elam endings as the real game instead of just for All Star.
1: You know what? I, I actually would like, and it, 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 I'm, I'm being I'm being an old guy sitting on the porch right on this one. Yeah. I think for the whole the hack a You know when they foul that guy. You know, if you foul intentionally to make somebody get to the free throw line who can't shoot free throws prior to the final two minutes of the game, that team automatically gets a point. Whoa. Just to, I, I can't stand it when you're going to get some start.
0: really bad fakes on. Oh, I didn't mean to foul.
1: <laughs> like you're going to no, get am like not a big fan level when bad perp- acting. When they purposely when they purposely foul. Oh my God! Yeah, Can you imagine the amount of <laughs> flopping and things flopping that into and, uh, a
0: foul. Oops! I tripped. Oops! I've struck the, him they make LeBron
1: James and D Wade's uh, flopping look That's like right. nothing you know, off of that one.
0: Yeah. I don't know if that'll work. I don't know if you'll be able to pull that off, but maybe there is sort of like number of times you can foul an opposing player before they start to get a point. Each time they're fouled, regardless of shots, there's mm-hmm. gotta be some way to counteract that. But the Elam is one of them and I like it. Um, I also wanted to ask you, Mike, you travel a lot for work. You've been covering the Colts for a very long time. You're going to start heading into full-time professorship. Congratulations on that. But for all these years, uh, really quickly, and we'll get back to this at the end of the show, but off the top of your head, name the city that first comes to mind when I say best city in North America to go to for a big sporting event.
1: Oh, L.A. L.A. Oh,
0: he goes with L.A. We'll ask you what yours are. We'll have him elaborate coming up. But first, two-a-days continues next. Commanders on the clock. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Mike Wells in for Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We're continuing our 2 a day. Is checking in with two teams a day as we approach NFL camps. We're going from the bottom up, which means we've hit the commanders. Some would argue they should be at the very bottom, but we went by record, not by reputation. So let's get to the most dysfunctional team in the league. And that's honestly saying something this year with some of the teams in this league. NBC Sports Washington reporter J.P. Finley joins us. Let's start big picture. Over the course of the end of last season, on through the offseason to now, there have been some incredible distractions by Daniel Snyder, including Congress and accusations that continue. How has the team managed to focus on the football side of things?
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's interesting because you, you kind of said the most dysfunctional team in the league, though they have competition. And, and sure, they have competition here and there, but nobody's as consistently dysfunctional as this organization, and they've kind of sadly held that title for a long time. Um, as for the recent, you know, the congressional investigations certainly have generated a ton of headlines, and it's entirely possible that there's more coming if if Congress and Dan are able to work out a time for him to actually testify. But Ron Rivera has said repeatedly that he tries to distance it and that players know they can come to him. Terry McLaurin just signed a contract extension, had a press conference earlier this week. He got asked about it. He said, you know, as players, all we can do is focus on what's next and that we trust coach to handle it. But to try to pretend that players and coaches and front office staff aren't aware, it doesn't impact them in some capacity, even if it's just a distraction from everything else they want to do and want to accomplish, That'd be naive. It, it it has an impact, and it has had an impact for a long time, frankly.
1: <laughs> you know, J.P., I, I got to ask you this. I don't know. I don't think we've officially met, but I'm in Indianapolis. I cover the Colts, so you know where, what direction I'm going to shift to next. I that had a cor- guess, yeah. <laughs> that quarterback that the commanders thankfully took off the hands of the Indianapolis Colts by the name of Carson Wentz. Uh, why are the commanders believing that Carson can be that guy especially after the the failure he had with his former offensive coordinator in Philadelphia and Frank Reich with the Colts
2: I mean you know it's crazy because uh, there are coaches there are situations in the league that can take on perhaps troubled players and turn it around And, and historically you'd think of New England and Pittsburgh, maybe, maybe Baltimore with their culture. And now I think McVay's doing that with the Rams, but in in no planet is Washington, the place that takes on a troubled player and makes (laughs) it work. Um, And if there was ever a situation that should have worked well for Carson, you'd think it'd be with Frank Reich. And the fact that it didn't go well with Frank Reich in Indianapolis is is really troubling. Um, I, I wonder if, in some capacity, maybe Carson now realizes this is a true last chance. And, you know, if you consider the quarterbacks that have come through for the commanders, Carson Wentz is is certainly the most physically talented and gifted since Kirk Cousins was here. Uh, I mean, maybe Alex Smith pre-injury, but I think Carson's a bit more of a dynamic quarterback than, than Alex was at that point. And as bad as the lowlights were, I think people kind of sleep on how bad the quarterback play has been in Washington for a long time. And he's going to get a fresh start. I also think a lot of it is that the commanders knew they had to get somebody. They knew they weren't going to get a free agent, Uh, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, like Washington wasn't on the list for anybody. And part of me thinks they just moved and moved aggressively early in the process to guarantee they get somebody. I, I, People get caught up on the Baker Mayfield move to Carolina that, you know, the Panthers paid a lot less for maybe as good of a player. Um, The one move I think if you ever got truth serum in in the Washington brass would be Matt Ryan. If they had known he'd become available and both quarterbacks, I think both Ryan and Wentz have questions at this stage, but Ryan's questions are only about his physical ability now, nothing about off the field or, or, or locker rooms. And I just – I wonder if that would have gone differently.
1: And and I'll tell you this, just from OTAs and uh, off-season workouts and everything, the locker room talk has been so much better about Matt Ryan than it was with Carson Wentz. So, I'll end on this, JP. Good luck with Carson Wentz and have fun covering him.
0: (laughs) Oh, boy.
2: (laughs) I'll say this, though. And and I've covered a lot of grand entrances to Washington, right? And they usually end poorly. But I, I think Carson, so far at least, has been very smart, very under the radar, no proclamations, and somewhat, you know, honest and accountable about how things ended in his past two stops. So we'll see how long that lasts, I guess.
0: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Mike Wells filling in for Fitz. We're talking to JP Finley, NBC Sports Washington Commanders Reporter. Um, I hate to bring it back to conflict, but I was talking to one of the coaches of the Commanders the other day and asked about Del Rio and how the relationship with players particularly black players on the team might be affected by um his recent comments about January 6th the deletion of his Twitter account some of the other things that he's posted about and said and the coach said that they kind of just know that's who he is have you heard anything other than that or does it feel like they're able to have this separation between the things he says and the opinions that he has on social issues versus who he is as their coach
2: so i've heard pretty similar stuff and it's one thing for players to say that with a mic and a camera in their face but right. um off record conversations with people and off record conversations with with coaching members on the coaching staff and i do having covered del rio a little bit and and you guys might know him better from his days in bristol i think he was much more open when he was working for you guys but as a coach i mean he is extremely confident I think is the way I would say it, and, and unabashed to tell you exactly what he thinks. So I, I don't think I don't think any of what he said about January 6th and everything else is a surprise to anyone. It, it, it's, it's always a little jarring when you see it publicly. Um, and here, here's kind of my thing with it. Two years ago, the defense was really good. Everybody loved Del Rio. Last year, the defense was bad, frankly, and, and slid 20-plus spots in points allowed and yards allowed. And there starting to be friction. And I think if things start well, everybody loves winning. Winning's the ultimate tonic in, yeah. in, in an NFL locker room. So, if, and they have a... Decent schedule. They should get off to a two and zero start. They play the Jags and the Lions, and then if you steal one between the Eagles and the Cowboys, you're three and one, and you're one and one in the division. And DC will start buzzing, right? So if they start fast, I think it's totally something everybody can handle. But should they drop the opener to the Jags? Like it, it, if things go the other way, it, it was the first time in Ron Rivera's tenure where I thought, oh, man, there's a potential real pitfall right. here. And 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 I, 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 that day or whatever, the, that series of quotes and stuff, was the first time I was like, damn, this could spin out of control. I don't know that it will, and, and if I did bet, it won't, but it could.
0: Not based on what we've seen with this team. Uh, Ron Rivera has been responsible for covering for any number of scandals at the top level, so I don't imagine that Del Rio will be the one that takes him down. Just add another thing to the list for him to have to kind of whitewash with his with his skills as a person and as a coach. Uh, JP, we could talk to you forever about this team. We'll have to have you back closer to the season. Thanks so much for the time.
2: Thank you, guys. One day I hope to do a radio interview with nothing but positive things to say about the. Commanders.
0: Well, I look forward to you switching teams then that you cover. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> JP Finley, Thank you. NBC Sports Washington Commanders reporter. Uh, good stuff. I really do feel for the people on those beats. Uh, I also feel for anybody who would be talking Bears this year or in the coming years because it's not looking pretty so far. We will talk to someone who's been on the Bears beat for a very long time about Justin Fields and the rest of the squad coming up next. Spain and Fitz. That seems to be a recurring theme—a learning year, a trying year, a year where Justin Fields will have to succeed in spite of what the Bears have done, and not because of it. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain with you as always. Mike Wells filling in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And joining us now to continue our two a days by talking the Chicago Bears. Pro Football Weekly's Hub Arkish. Hub, I, 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 all I've heard is frustration. Is there any way to spin? the moves the Bears have made to not be completely ignorant to the things that might help Justin Fields get better?
4: <laughs> well, yeah, there are. But, but it's what you are what you said is just spinning it, really. I, I think the thing that they're hoping for the most is that Luke Getz's offense is is, is well-designed to take advantage of Justin Fields' special traits. They're going to focus on running the football. If there is a strength of this football team, it's the running back room right now. Uh, concerns about the offensive line, but it's always easier for offensive linemen to run block than pass block. And with the outside uh, uh, zone read and, and some of the, the wide run schemes, it will open up a lot more space in the middle zones that Fields had trouble in last year. So, you know, the issue is that he has next to no talent at wide receiver other than Darnell Mooney. You're hopeful about the tight ends. Cole comet has got some real promise, but has to arrive. And the offensive line is a mess right now, and, and, and for a young quarterback, and kind of a make-it year if you think about it, because realistically, this rebuilding team is going to, you know, have a top-five draft pick at the end of the year. And after two years, if they're not satisfied with Fields, he's not Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus's guy, and it's going to be a much better quarterback crop than this year. So uh, they've put themselves in a tough position. Justin Fields will benefit from the new scheme. But you would have
1: thought they would have put a little more talent around particularly at wide receiver and at left tackle. So, so Hub, can you explain it for me? I mean, I've I followed Justin Fields since watching him on, on QB1 on Netflix. Uh, can you explain why in the world the Chicago Bears did not try to address the offensive side of the ball when you have a second-year quarterback who needs as much help as possible, and they decided to basically say, hey, you know what, Justin, we're not going to get you any receivers. We're not going to upgrade the offensive line. Why, why, why didn't they do anything?
4: Well, you know, Mike, I, <laughs> that's the question everybody in Chicago is asking. The the, the, the the fair answer, and it is fair, this is a complete rebuild. They decided to tear it down to the studs, and, and this has not been done in Chicago in over 20 years, you know, and uh, they had cap problems because of the Cleo-Mack contract, because of the Eddie Goldman deal, some of the other deals that were come off the books on their own, like like a key mix, and uh, they felt that because it was going to be a turnaround and rebuilding year anyway, they wanted to clear as much cap space as they could. They will have possibly a record amount of cap space. They, they could very well have more cap space going into the 23 free agency season than we've ever seen in the league. Right now, it projects out over $100 million. It won't stay there. They'll do a few deals. They've got to re-sign or, or extend Roquan Smith. They'd be crazy not to do that. Uh, maybe David Montgomery, too. But at the end of the day, you've got a brand-new GM, and, and, you know, you get a honeymoon period for a new GM and a new head coach naturally, but the frustration in Chicago was so great that the reality was if they had tried to contend and rebuild on the fly, the honeymoon period would have lasted two or three weeks. Now, mm-hmm. I think they're kidding themselves into not knowing that halfway through this season, you know when they're two and seven or one and eight, people aren't going to be real happy anyway. But you know, if you understand the game and you realize what they're doing, and the rebuild is going to take at least two or three years, that's the answer they're going to give you. The, the one, I think people would be applauding this if it wasn't for the Justin Fields question. You know, because you're not really well. I shouldn't say. I mean, maybe he's better than we think he is, and I think he's got a chance to be very good. I, I'm a Justin Fields guy. But with the struggles he's going to have to develop and where they're going to be at the end of this year, probably in the bottom five to, to ten of the league again in offense, um, it's, it's going to you know have them scratching their heads as to what to do. That's the big puzzle. But beyond that, the rebuild makes sense, and, and that's their answer as to why they didn't. And They didn't sign a single free agent. I, I think the only guy who got more than one year Um, was Justin Jones. I could be wrong about that. I'm not sure what else Mohammed got, but um, they got two years, you know. So this whole team could be gone at the end of this year. They're just placeholders to find out if they've got, you know, five, ten kids they can build around.
0: Yeah, Hub Arkish is with this here from Pro Football Weekly, and I agree with the idea of you've got to strip it down to the studs and then build a team that's going to win instead of building a mediocre squad, but I worry about what kind of look you can get at Justin Fields with the things that are around him because he's not the guy for this coach or this GM, and will they look at that crop of quarterbacks and say we'd rather start fresh with someone new that's ours without ever giving him a real chance? And I'm a fan of his the way you are. I think, especially on his first looks, he's so accurate. It's just a matter of giving the time and a good offense so that he has better chance if that first look isn't open to look around and read defense and make a decision and we didn't get a lot of that last year and I think that's what made it so hard to read we know that we're going to be bad and when I say we we know that they're going to be bad are there upsides to look for are there players that you say this could be a piece later look at how they play this year to decide if they might help later down the line
4: well they're very excited about Darnell Mooney who is already a solid number two and could be a very high end number two I I think his size limitations and his drop rate are going to keep him from being a number one. But uh, he's a player who could be part of a winning franchise. Certainly David Montgomery. Mm-hmm. He's a top five to top eight running back, and a lot of people don't realize it. But, you know, two years ago in his second year in the league, the only three guys running backs who had more combined yards from scrimmage than David Montgomery were Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, and Derrick Henry. Uh, and and last year he was on pace to be top eight again until he missed the four and a half games with the knee injury. So now the problem is he's in a contract year, and you know the struggle with paying running backs. But you know these are a couple guys they think they can build the offense around. Certainly, Cole, Komet. Cole Komet, uh reminds me a little bit of George Kittle heading into that year three. You know tight ends are kind of notoriously slow developers, and. Uh, Kmet did more last year than people realize. He's become a very good inline blocker. He's never going to be a seam splitter or a home run hitter, but but he could be, you know, one of those 75-catch, uh, 1,100-yard, eight-touchdown guys at tight end. So those are three players that love around. The offensive line, um, we just don't know. It's hard to be excited right now uh, about a Tevin Jenkins. Uh, Larry Borum, I think, is probably the more promising of the two Um, The kid they took this year, what was it, the 6th from Braxton Jones out of Southern Utah State? You don't usually find your franchise left tackle there, but when you look at him and and then you watch some tape, pretty impressive prospect, and I've talked to scouts around the league who are really shocked that he lasted as long as he did. So, you know, these are some of the names to keep an eye on, but but, but there's not much besides that uh, on the offensive side of the ball Defensively, is a little different. They could have one of the most talented secondaries in the league. Uh, you know, Jalen Johnson is the real deal. Eddie Jackson has been an all-pro a couple times. He just kind of stopped playing after he got paid, but allegedly is motivated to now lead this defense. He's only 27 years old um you know you look at the two kids they drafted this year you, you don't want to count on rookies before they've ever played but very highly thought of in terms of uh you know the cornerback and, and the safety jaquan brisker um and then you know you look at roquan smith in the middle if they get him re-signed up front they do like travis gibson uh they, they like uh So they've got some names there to work with i think the big issue there everything i'm hearing is that Rick will not be back we don't know how this divorce is going to happen um but but i'm convinced to, right. from my sources at this Feels point like that for whatever gone. his reasons are he doesn't mm-hmm. want to be here in chicago um and so that's going to set the defense back quite a bit this first year but yeah. there is some younger talent there that they're yeah. excited about
0: all right you gave us a couple things to look for you gave us a little bit of optimism and we appreciate that hub enjoy your weekend thank you so much for the time
4: all right guys take care
0: Hub Arkish, Pro Football Weekly. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit progressive.com. At Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, you can answer how many regular season wins for the Bears and the Commanders. How long is Justin Fields around? What about Carson Wentz? We'll get all your answers and share them with you later in the show. Coming up, more on the Dame Lillard signing. Also, what's to come next in Utah in NBA free agency? Brian Windhorst joins us next. It's Spain and Fitz on a Fry yay Sarah Spain, Mike Wells in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM Channel 80. Let's talk a little NBA free agency, and to do so, I am happy to welcome in meme lord Brian Windhorse, who accurately predicted a massive Utah jazz trade without really saying anything at all. So let's start there. Will you make any predictions today on this show on whether Utah stays with Donovan Mitchell or if they take all the things they got back from Gobert and they, they really blow it all up and start
5: fresh. Well, I, I don't think there's anything happening in the immediate future. Uh, the jazz are telling people that they're not going to trade Donovan Mitchell. They've been rejecting um, uh, calls uh, looking to, to talk about a trade for him. Now, in fairness, uh, it was just uh, like a month or two ago. They were saying they weren't going to trade Rudy Gobert. So let's judge them by their actions and not their words. But um, it also sounds to me from uh, talking to people that uh, Donovan himself is just going to sort of sit back and see. I mean, right now, the Jazz traded away their starting small forward and their starting center. They are the only team in the league that has not signed anybody yet. Uh, they have not signed anyone. So um, they do not they're missing two starters. So I think Donovan is going to sit back and see exactly what this team is going to do. How they're going to prepare for next season? He's not going to react immediately, but obviously, you don't have to have incredible insight to realize the Jazz are in a transition, and that Donovan at some point may reevaluate what he,
1: you know, where he wants to be. You know, Brian, I would love to start asking you about Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, but that's kind of going at a snail's pace right now. But I, what I do want to ask you about is uh, Dame Lillard and the two-year, hundred and twenty-two million dollar contract. How did all this come about for him to uh, get that new deal with the uh, Trailblazers?
5: You know, it's – obviously he's, he's arguably the greatest play- – I mean, maybe he is the greatest player in team history. I don't want to offend anybody from the, uh, the, the spur- from the Blazers who won the title in the 70s and the uh, spirit of 77 and, and the Clyde Drexler years. But, you know, certainly a hugely influ- influential player. He didn't have a great year last year because he was hurt. And, you know, he was already under contract for three years um, to the tune of like $170 million more million There was really, you know, it, this wasn't a no-brainer. Um, he's coming off of surgery. You know, you may like to see, um, uh, you know, where he's at physically. But, you know, he believes he's going to be fine. And he believes he's got another a decade in him of, of, of top play. And, um, you know, the Blazers... Obviously uh, we're under, you know, some measure of pressure here, because if you don't uh, invest in him, you maybe send the wrong message. So uh, he is now signed up and get ready for this sucker. He's now got, you know, he's <laughs> now has five years left on his contract. $450 million will now be Dame Willard's career earnings Whoa. with the Blazers, uh, with, with including the rest of this contract. And look, he is, a vital piece to them being um, a a contender in the Western conference. They did not rebuild, even though they kind of tanked down the stretch last year, they traded for Jeremy Grant. They went out and signed Gary Payton. Um, They're, they're intending to be a playoff team again this year. And, and the the Lillard step is a, is a step in in the direction of trying to, um, you know, you know, be a serious team under Chauncey Billups in the second year.
0: Brian Windhorst with us here on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Mike Wells in for Fitz. Uh, want to move on, but I want to quickly ask what your take is on the report that he couldn't get his phone calls answered or his emails answered by the potentially interim owner slash current <laughs> owner, Jody Allen. Um, do, do you buy that? Do you think that was happening? That didn't sound very plausible. Right. That didn't
5: sound very plausible, did it? For somebody who was about to sign yeah. a hundred and twenty million dollar extension to uh, take his contract up over like th- th- you know four hundred million, um, he denied. He he put out a statement denying right. that. That he's first off he said he's he's never emailed Jody Allen, and he said so that he's might never be the
0: doing deal. of someone who wants the team to be sold. <laughs> Let's put, put put some.
5: I'm not sure what that was about. Um, okay, but <laughs> uh, I think Dame is in. You know. I think Dame's just fine with the Blazers
0: right now. Okay, so I want to move on then. Brian Windhorst, let's talk about DeAndre Ayton. I was trying to find a clip from uh, you talking on some show yesterday. I listened to many shows that you were on, and I think you were talking about the potential for his deals to go somewhere other than the Suns to be held up by teams waiting on KD. Can you talk a little bit more about where the DeAndre Ayton situation sits right now?
5: The Indiana Pacers have cleared space to offer him a max contract the the Malcolm Brogdon trade that they did uh last week um they now are in position to offer him the max and they have talked to him they have met with him it's It's my belief that they're seriously looking at this and um now the owner of the uh, of the pacers whom whom Mr. Wells there is familiar with, herb Simon. He does not like to do offer sheets. He doesn't want to do that to his fellow owner partners A couple of years ago when they got Malcolm Brogdon from the um, Milwaukee Bucks, they had the cap space to outright sign him. They didn't need to um to do a sign trade, but they called up the bucks and said we don't want to do we don't want to you know uh do the offer sheet. We don't think it's good business. let's make a trade and they did They sent a first round pickup to Milwaukee when they didn't have to so under that under that premise. It's possible that the Pacers don't really want to do an offer sheet and want to execute a sign-and-trade with Phoenix um, if Phoenix is not going to sign Ayton themselves. Um, you know, the thing about it is, I don't know if Phoenix can can make that kind of transaction right now while they're in the midst of negotiating for Kevin Durant. They're one of the teams that is talking to the Nets about it. So, you know, we have this little bit of a delay here. Uh, I, I think Aiton is headed toward either an offer sheet or a trade to the to the Pacers. Uh, we'll see if it's an offer sheet, whether the Suns will match it. But I think the Suns are a little bit in limbo themselves because of the Durant thing. So that's kind of been sitting there, as far as I can understand, for a day or two, and we'll see how it all plays out. But Indiana is sitting there, I think, looking for him to replace Miles Turner as their starting center and maybe sending Miles Turner to phoenix in a trade or maybe somewhere else so um this is just one of the many sort of slow moving gears right now with durant sort of quasi involved
1: you know it's funny you mentioned that um when i was covering the pacers they were upset when the trailblazers made an offer sheet for roy hibbert back in 2011 2012 so you you're exactly right about herb simon not liking that type of situation you mentioned kevin durant um is this just going to be a situation that could take a lot of time do you see something Potentially coming about in the next week. Where do you things you stand with uh, the Brooklyn Nets trying to move uh, Kevin Durant?
5: Yeah. So the issue is, and this has been the case for 30 years. I mean, go back to when Charles Barkley asked for a trade out of the Philadelphia 76ers, and he ended up in Phoenix. And I don't even remember the pieces were in that trade, but let's just say that it was one-sided. Uh, and this is what happens when star players get traded. Obviously, they're extremely valuable, but if you're trading him to a team that wants to contend on the other side of the trade, they can't give all of their pieces and parts. It's, it's, it's the reason why you want to get out of star player trades. And so the offers that the Nets have received from what I can, from what I, what I can glean They're good offers, but they are not like ultra-premium offers. These teams are not offering their best players, their best draft picks, because they realize that they don't have to. You know, if Durant wants to be a Sun, which we believe he's got interest in doing, the the bar that the Toronto Raptors have to clear to have the best offer isn't the, the offer that the Nets want. It's the offer that the Suns can make. And that's, there's a gulf in between where you know, the teams believe Durant's market value is and what the Nets believe his value is. Of course, he's an extremely valuable player, um, you know, MVP candidate still in his prime years, with a long contract. But you can't sell your house to buy a Lamborghini, even if Kevin Durant's a Lamborghini, you can't sell your house, and that's, that's the issue that they're going to running into.
0: Wendy, before we let you go, I want to ask you really quick, is there any reason to believe Perk's claim that Kevin Durant is using the forced trade ask to get Kyrie the money he wants, and then he'll say, okay, as long as you give him a long-term deal, I'll stick around?
5: I got to tell you something. I, (laughs) I mean, you never say never in the NBA, so I will not say never, but I will say I find it extremely unlikely. Right. That, the, that the Nets I would extend agree. Kyrie Irving at this point.
0: And I find it and unlikely if, that KD would drive his entire career and connect it to whether or not he, I, you know, I would. I <laughs> would
5: tend to agree. But I will say this, you know, some of these guys, you know, Kyrie and, and, and KD are former teammates of Perk. I can't claim the same mm-hmm. connection to those two guys.
0: Fair enough. Hey, Wendy, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend.
5: Take care, guys. Have a good weekend.
0: Awesome stuff as always from Wendy. Yeah, I mean Perk knows those guys. I just I really can't imagine KD sticking his neck out for a guy that's sat more games than played uh, and make the last couple years of his best years maybe uh, tied to whether Kyrie shows up or not. We will no. see. We will see. You don't you don't agree?
1: No, I I no. I'm saying I can't I can't see it either for a guy who said I don't want to be vaccinated. I don't care if we lose at home, KD. You do it by yourself because James is on his way out. Right. No, no, no.
0: And then when he was back, uh, you know, you you didn't get a fair shake of it because you didn't see what it would have been like with consistency all year long. But they still took a first round sweep. Uh, That's that's not a place I think KD is going to stick his neck out to fight for by threatening a trade and then saying, oh, now that now that you got Kyrie figured out, you know, I got my friend hooked up. We're good. (laughs) I just don't see it. Uh, We've asked you a lot of questions tonight. We're asking you to provide the content for us on this Friday because, to be honest, sometimes on Fridays we like to check out a little bit early. And so you guys are providing the next segment, MLB, two-a-days, four-pointers. It's all coming up next. Oh, that's the kind of music I like to hear when we're at our last segment on a Friday night of the WNBA All-Star Weekend in my city, which means the parties are calling. The parties are calling me. I'm late already. We got to get out of here. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Mike Wells in for Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't forget to tune into an AL rivalry on Sunday as the Red Sox host the Yankees. Coverage of Sunday night baseball begins at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app and at 7 p.m. on ESPN. We have sprayed to all fields, as they say in the baseball world, on this show tonight. And we've asked you a lot of questions about what we're talking about here. And it started with some baseball talk. We are going to get the All-Star game in a bit. The starters were just announced. My boy, Wilson Contreras, starting catcher for the NL. You love to see it. But we haven't figured out yet the starting pitchers. And we asked folks, who should be the NL starting pitcher? There's arguments For Sandy Alcantara, he's had a great year down in Miami and has been consistent from the beginning to end of this first half. Tony Gonsolin of the Dodgers, hotter, closer to this break, started off a little slower. And Clayton Kershaw, baseball god. Now, Kershaw and Gonsolin will be playing at home for this uh, all-star game at Dodger Field. And yet, if you don't ask the locals, you get a wide range of answers. It's Sandy Alcantara who leads the vote, 56.7%. Gosselin at 23.2, Gonslin, I should say, and Clayton Kershaw at 20. I'm kind of surprised by that. I feel like a lot of folks, maybe the folks voting are real baseball diehards and say they know. Maybe it's the Clayton Kershaw and the Cubs fans that follow me are voting based on us whooping (laughs) that butt on route to the World Series. I'm not sure, but I'm surprised Clayton didn't get more of the nostalgia vote.
1: Man, they Ed Clayton's in the caboose on this one, man. Right. I thought they were like, "Oh, let's throw him a bone," because he <laughs> is, you know, he he is, you know, for so many years have been the ace of that Dodger staff, yeah, Hall of Dodger Famer. Stadium. And basically they're saying, hey, Clayton, uh, I'm sorry. You you can go watch eat, eat a Dodger dog and watch the game with everybody else.
0: <laughs> uh, he'll get those innings in. He just might not be a starter. We'll see what they decide. Uh, we also asked, with the WNBA All-Star Game this weekend, introducing some unique twists, which include a four-pointer. There's going to be a circle on the court, and as long as you are anywhere touching or within that circle, it counts for four points if you hit it from there. I think of it as probably somewhere around – The Dame spot or the the Steph spot. Uh, Sabrina Ionescu spot. uh, Speaking of someone who could drain them from almost anywhere in the gym, Kelsey Plum will be good from there. Uh, So that'll be something we see. Also, there will not be any free throws shot. They will automatically be awarded the highest number of points that they could get from the assigned free throws. And then with two minutes remaining or any overtime, they'll actually take the free throw shots. So those are two changes in the WNBA game. We saw... In the NBA All-Star game the last couple years, they've been going with the Elam ending, which I think is fantastically fun and really great to watch. You guys think that the best thing to bring to regular season NBA and WNBA games is none of them. 36.7% of you fear change. Mike, uh, I'm not surprised by that answer, but I am surprised that four-pointers got 28.5%. That many people would like to see that in regular season games. 22.9% for the Elam ending, and just 11.9% said free throws only in the final two minutes. But a couple people very firmly said that they would love to see the end of free throws because of the hack-a-shack technique and how boring it gets down the stretch. I would say Elam ending, if any of them.
1: Oh, man, you know, I'm going with the four-pointer. I'm going with the four-point really? And I mean, let's be real. There's no defense played now in the uh, in the NBA and I just think you, adding a four-point shot is going to – you're going to have an increase the odds of a one-team scoring 200 points in a game. It may turn some people off. But I, I don't fear change. I welcome change. I embrace it. So let there be something to kind of spice up the, uh, the NBA and even the WNBA game
0: yeah i mean you you saw what was that seven point possession by the warriors in the, in the finals this year uh so maybe we could uh we could uh ease our way into that by making the four pointers legal it's Bane and Fitz, mike wells filling in for fitznet on this friday we are getting your answers to our questions that we've been asking you all so long. One that we asked was one North American city you most want to go to for a major one-off sporting event, an all-star game, a Super Bowl, a World Cup match, an F1 race, etc. Your answer was L.A. Elaborate.
1: Weather. Warm weather. For those who don't mm-hmm. know, I live in Indianapolis. And don't get me wrong. I love downtown Indianapolis from a sports scene, being able to get around the places. But I got the, I got the ocean um, out there. I've got Hollywood if I want to. Mm -hmm. I can go, I can can head to the mountains, which are, you know, a couple hours away. So many things, so many different things I can do while I'm there for that big sporting event because I'm not going in the day of the game and leaving the next morning. I've got options to uh, enjoy the city and have fun. And I'm a warm weather guy. Ideally, if I could live somewhere where I could wear shorts 300 and, I say, (laughs) 300 days a year, I'd be a happy man. So give me the weather and the water and the views. L.A. is my kind of place. New York will be number two, but again, mm. I might have faced the possibility of dealing with snow. And yeah, as much, I've been LA living is, in Indy 17 LA's years is in not Indiana, up there for me. and I still don't like snow.
0: L.A. is up there for me. I lived there for eight years. I really enjoyed it. Uh, New York is not up there for me. I like to visit for a couple of days, but there are a lot of other places I'd rather bounce around. And a lot of people answered a few of them. A lot of people said Chicago, which I appreciate. Uh, Mexico how you, City. How much would you, you pay him? I didn't pay them anything. They just know that it's a great city. Vancouver, I've never been to, but I'm dying to go to Vancouver. That looks amazing. A lot of people said New Orleans. New Orleans is a great place to get dropped into for a couple days. Miami is a great place to get dropped in for a couple days. I agree with you on Los Angeles. Um, Then some random ones. Asheville, Indianapolis, Yellow Knife, Northwest Territories. I don't even know what that is. We got some jokesters Um,
1: out there. Jokesters.
0: A lot of Vegas, uh, Montreal, which I haven't been to. uh, A lot of Toronto, Bay Area, Honolulu, Buffalo. Okay. I think some of these people are thinking very specific events. And I just meant not the event specifically, the place. The place to go to. And I think a lot of you nailed it with some of the answers. I'm not sure about... Northwest Territories. Uh, continuing on the questions that we asked you, we asked you about our two a days teams today, the Bears and the Commanders. How many regular season games do you think the Bears will win? Seven point two percent of people said zero to two. Fifty seven point one percent of people said three to five. Thirty one and a half percent said six to eight, and a bunch of Looney Tunes out there. Four point one percent said nine plus. Lord, to be as enthusiastic and optimistic about the Bears as I used to be, and say nine plus when they are telling you flat out that they're tanking—that <laughs> that is wild. Um, commanders, how many regular season games do you think they'll win? Seventeen point five percent said zero to three, fifty-eight point two percent said four to six, twenty-two point seven percent said seven to nine, and one point six percent said ten plus games for the Commanders. Did everybody else forfeit those games? Um, Justin Fields. That, that had to be it. Right? Someone works for them. How long will Justin Fields be the Bears starting QB? 14.8% won't finish this season. 27.5% through the end of this season. 35.1% the next four to five. And 2265 seasons plus. Same question for Carson Wentz. 50% won't finish this season. 40% through the end. 6% four to five. And a weird relative 345 seasons. Thanks for listening to Spain and Fitz. The entire all-star team is joining Freddie and Fitzsimmons.